listen up. We have a problem. It's called defense. We don't really know how to play it anymore. We struggle a lot on that side of the ball. And you may have wondered, was there ever a time when the Atlanta Falcons were good at defense? Well, I'm here to tell you, yes, there was. Actually, in 1977, led by Mr. Glanville himself, the Atlanta Falcons only allowed 129 points. Ooh, that's some incredible defense. And I miss it. And maybe you do too. They were called the Grits Blitz. And so that's the name of this podcast. Essentially, it's a tribute to one of the all-time greatest defense the NFL ever saw. And it's a longing for one day when the ATL will have a defense just like it. But that's not today. But maybe it'll be tomorrow. Who knows? This is the Grits Blitz. This is the Atlanta Falcons podcast. Let's get to it. Grits Blitz. My name is Mikey Puckett. I am the host. And before we jump in recapping the Saints versus Falcons, I just wanted to tell you that we have awesome t-shirts. If you're on Instagram, you can see via the video that I post this cool t-shirt, long sleeve t-shirt. There's hoodies. Hey, product to support the podcast. You can get that link at the Instagram account, The Grit Splits Podcast. So follow us on Instagram. Go to that link in the bio. Support us. Buy a t-shirt. It'd be awesome. It'd be awesome to spread the apparel. Great Christmas gift. Let's go. Christmas season. All right. With all that being said, if you're listening to this, you you love the Atlanta Falcons, please feel free to follow, subscribe, jump right on board with us. We'd love for you to be part of this family. It's been a little while since I've created a podcast, and the last time I created a podcast, I was predicting the Atlanta Falcons to defeat the Saints and to defeat them, and and, and especially saying Taysom Hill is not a good quarterback. I just need to start off this episode saying, listen, I was wrong. I was very wrong about the Falcons beating Taysom Hill and the New Orleans Saints. I don't know what was into me. I don't know what got over me. I think I was just uh, channeling my inner fandom, and it all came out, and I was like, Drew Brees is out. Let's go. Let's play against this guy who's in his 30s. He can't throw the football. He has to throw the football very much. Well, he has absolutely tormented the Atlanta Falcons like most quarterbacks do, and, and that's apparent. So I need to come out and just come out saying I was wrong. I thought the Falcons had a chance. I thought the Falcons had a chance to beat the Saints the first time. And definitely win that game. I thought they would split this series. I was wrong. They didn't split this series. But I will say, in the second time in playing in three weeks, we showed some improvement, especially on defense. So that was a good sign to see that we actually had a pulse on defense. Did we have a pulse on offense? No. So let's jump straight into this recap. The Atlanta Falcons lose to the New Orleans Saints, New Orleans Saints 21-16. to Taysom Hill's 27 for 37, 232 yards, two touchdowns. My dog, my man. Matt Ryan, very inefficient, 19 for 39, 273 yards, one touchdown. I'm going to say this. That stat line, his completion percentage is significantly altered by the insane amount of drop passes by Falcons tight ends, wide receivers, running backs, you name it. They were dropping them. 
it was it was a wild. We had a case of the drops, and they were not making those plays, and it was extremely disappointing because there was plays to be made against this team. We had a chance to win this football game, and there were a lot of drop passes uh, that were very frustrating. Uh, Russell Gage dropped a few opportunities you got to make. If you're going to win a football game against a good team, you got to make those opportunities. You could have beaten this football team. You could have beaten this football team. You didn't, though. And because you didn't take advantage of those opportunities, and all year long they've been struggling at making the winning play, and making a winning play is catching a football. Matt Ryan, I think, should have had a better stat line there. Probably should have thrown for over 300 yards with those catches, and maybe another touchdown, giving us the win. So, honestly, a few more catches, and I think that's how close we were to winning this football game. I'm always going to point out over and over again, I cannot say this enough, that our running offense is absolutely horrendous absolutely terrible our rushing attack was was horrendous we were 70 yards rushing the football that's not going to get it done not at all that's not going to get it done Todd Gurley had eight carries for 16 yards that's two yards per carry that's terrible Brian Hill five carries for 18 yards that's you know that's a little better uh and then Ito Smith eight carries for 36 yards that definitely wins the day for him this this needs to get fixed this rushing game this is a classic dirt cutter issue that we saw in Tampa Bay. They couldn't run the football. Look at Tampa Bay now. Ron Jones, not too bad. Dirt cutter as his OC, pretty bad. Well, look at us here. Running tech is absolutely horrendous. Dirt cutter has to leave this football team if we want to win football games. His offensive coordination and ability to run an offense is dated. It's out of date. It's vanilla. It's not creative. I mean, there are some things that are there. For sure, Did, was the is he? What I'm saying is, is he really giving us an edge against teams? No, he doesn't give us an edge as an OC. You need an edge, and and I'm sorry, he's not the guy. He's not the guy that's going to give you an edge, and that's pretty evident. On the other side, the Saints honestly don't win this game because of Taysom Hill. People are going to point that out, but they win this game because of the rushing attack, including Taysom Hill's rushing attack. 14 carries for 83 yards. Alvin Kamara, 15 carries for 88 yards. That's getting it done. They had 207-plus rushing yards. The Falcons' defense has been notorious for being a good run-stop defense. Not not, not that day. Not, that, not this past Sunday. They did not make it happen. It was not happening. They were not making the, the magic happen, and that was evident and very clear. Now, one of the funnest things for me to watch in this football game, though, was the competition between Calvin, Rad- Calvin Ridley and Lattimore. Wow. That was amazing. Lattimore can just suck it because Calvin Ridley is better than him. And it's clear and it's evident. My dog, my dog, Calvin Ridley, five receptions, 180 yards. Let's go, my man. Let's go, my man. Let's go. I love that Julio Jones was targeted. He has six receptions, 94 yards. We were able to do things throwing the football on the Saints that a lot of teams have struggled to do. And I think if we could have picked up on a rushing game a little bit, picked that up a little bit, and caught a few more passes, take advantage of some opportunities, I think we're winning this game potentially 23-21. or you know, Of course, they probably would have driven the field and kicked a field goal to beat us 24-23. to But with that being said, this game was definitely in reach, and it was actually enjoyable to a degree to watch as a fan because there were things to take away and see. Now, Aluakon, that dude, is, I think he's going to make a Pro Bowl. That man's playing out of his mind. Absolutely out of his mind. Super encouraging to see this man. And A.J. Terrell, balling out. I mean, that that guy is developing. That's a corner that for us could potentially be something. Let's see if he can stay away from injuries and see what happens. But defensively, 
much, much better, especially over the last two weeks. Much, much better. Uh, and I haven't even talked about the Raiders game. I don't think the Raiders are a very good football team. Do I think we're a very good football team? No, I think we're like in that average, below average range in the NFL. I think the Raiders are in the below average to really bad uh, section, sector. Now, they got guys, they got players, but they're not, they're definitely not, uh, don't have what it takes uh, to do very much moving forward. They need to really evaluate and look at some things. But the Falcons defensively are kind of shocking me, absolutely shocking me. Now, that could be a Derek Carr-led team, a Taysom Hill-led team. I don't know. Uh, and, and we'll see as we get into the games against the Bucks and, and what's going to happen. So, Essentially, we lose this football game. I really think it comes down to a few plays on offense. Uh, and I think they just didn't make enough plays happen on offense. This team, there's no reason why this offense should be putting up 16 points. None. Zero. This team should be in the 24-plus range every single week. Uh, and, and, and that should be expected as Falcons fans. So if you're frustrated by what the offense did, you should be because not many teams had the guys like Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Hayden Hurst, Todd Gurley, Ito Smith, Brian Hill, Russell Gage. I mean, these are these are guys. These are men. These are men, professional athletes, and a lot of them are above average in their field of play. And and we have a defense offensive line. So this is, I think, coming really down to just an effort scheme mentality problem. It's really hard to be four and eight and want to keep playing and competing when everyone else is gearing up for the playoffs and thinking about that final push. We are just thinking about the draft in April or May, whenever it is. How sad is that? And we've been thinking about that for a long time as Falcons fans. And so that's just that just hurts. That hurts the franchise. That hurts us. That hurts everything. And so what does it look like moving forward? Um, how are we going to finish off the rest of the season? This is something that I do want to look at. Okay, so we played the Saints. We lost 21-16. Uh, coming up is the Chargers. This is a beatable football team. They kind of has the same struggles we do. Can front run, maybe take a lead, and then kind of lose it towards the end. Um, so probably very similar. I expect this game to be awesome. And I really, I think it's going to be really fun to see and witness. So coming down to the wire, I would love to see us win the football game. But at the same time, I'm not going to really expect this team to win out at all because you got Chargers, Buccaneers, Chiefs, Buc uh, and Buccaneers. I, I really see this team potentially finishing 4-12. and 12. Uh and I don't actually think that's a bad thing because I think we could use a few higher draft picks uh, and be able to pull in maybe um, a, some defense alignment, um, maybe a defensive end. Uh, that would be really nice uh, to continue to increase pressure on quarterbacks. And if you can increase pressure on quarterbacks, it makes it easier for the linebackers. It makes it easier for uh, the DBs. So that would be awesome. I don't know what's going to happen with that, but we'll see uh, what the new regime brings in here. Uh I think the best chance of winning is against the Chargers on December 13th. And as weird as it sounds, I think even against the Chiefs on December 27th, two days after Christmas, I think that could be a potential victory because the Chiefs may be in the zone of, oh, we're going to sleepwalk. I say this, but they could also just hang 50-plus points on us. That would not surprise me either. But if our defense keeps developing and showing signs of life and a pulse, which that's what they've shown me, and, and, and I'm really encouraged by that. And, and, and that's something to take away from this year is this defense has not really thrown in the towel. This offense seems to be sputtering a good bit. Um, we lost 24-9 to the Saints and 21-16 uh, uh, to the Saints. Uh, so just some really bad. And maybe and maybe the Saints are a lot better on defense than I'm, I'm giving them credit for. 
So moving forward, there's really not much you can do if your run game is as bad as it is and your scheme for running the football is as bad as it is. So you really just kind of have to just, I say, just open up the passing game and just say, we're just chucking the ball. We're just going to throw it 50 million times. Like, that's just what we're going to do. That's who we are. That's how we roll. I think that's that's honestly the way to probably move it forward, if we're honest about it, uh, and, and to move forward. I think if you can get this game into a shootout, we have a good chance uh, against the Chargers. But if you are in a tight game and you need the running game to be effective, uh, I think expect uh, expect to lose because I think when you take away and make a team one-dimensional, unless it's like a Patrick Mahomes, essentially he can be one-dimensional and still win football games for you. I just don't think that's the MO of this offense. Uh, and never really has been. So I'm going to say give me the last win of the season we're going to beat the chargers it's going to be we're going to be 5 and 8 we're going to lose to the bucks next week we're going to lose to the chiefs the following week and lose to the bucks to end the season as the bucks get geared up for the playoffs so that's my prediction of us moving forward and what that is probably going to look like for our football team uh, now do i have much faith no and that's the sad part. Do I wish we could beat the Bucks once? That would be awesome. I would love to get a win against the Bucks. Just rub it in their faces. Heck, even get them into a lower position on the seating and force them to have to play some away games. And just because, screw the Bucks. Okay, screw them. All right, just throw them money. Just buying players. Just Antonio Brown, all that. Just screw them. Can't stand it. Now I want to talk about something else. I want to talk about in this third section about what to expect with this coaching staff and the turnover in the next year. And I think this is something that as the season goes along, as the losses start piling on and as the season just becomes more and more in some ways meaningless to us as fans, besides we just like watching the Falcons and, and love seeing them in awesome throwback uniforms. I love the black face mask. Let's go. Looked good. Looked really good. Besides all of that, you know, we're probably going to start talking a lot about who's going to be the next coach, who's going to be the next GM, what's going to look like. I just want to make a point that I think McKay, uh, oddly enough, is one is 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 a strange, strange dynamic for this front office. I think he's going to be a problem for coaches and GMs coming in. I don't really, from what I read about him, get a really good vibe from him. I think this guy is not a good fit. Um, what's really weird is he was the GM, got fired. Thomas Dimitrov was hired. Then he worked his way up to becoming Thomas Dimitrov's boss. And now he is calling a lot of the shots these days. And I don't, and, and the first sign to me that we got a problem here is the fact that we're not using like a headhunting company uh, that goes out and finds the perfect right fit for your franchise as the coach. This is what most teams do. This is what most businesses do. This is what companies Companies that are very successful do because they realize that hiring really important CEOs, hiring really important GMs or coaches uh, is is really hard to do, and you need to hire those guys. And you not only need a guy that can really think football, know football, be able to coach football, lead, and that certain capacity. You also need a guy that fits your culture as a front office, as a franchise, and so that that's something hard to find, and something you got to figure out what your values are and figure out what you care about and what's like deal breaker and what's not. And I think it's going to be really hard for a really talented and really gifted coach to come in and be strung down by McKay. 
um, and have to go through this like backdoor way of getting things done instead of just getting things done. They're going through McKay, and I think that's going to be an issue when it comes to picking from the cream of the crop that we're going to have opportunities at this year, especially since we haven't had a coach. Since we haven't had a coach for so long and everyone knows this job is available, we had an advantage there to be able to get things moving further. And just what this shows is McKay is a big roadblock to things moving along and getting done for teams, for our team. So I think a lot of teams are going to have different coaches and there's going to be a coaching carousel, of course, like it is every year in the NFL. And unfortunately, I don't think the Falcons look very appealing because of the McKay position, because of his role in the front office. It's not something that a coach or a GM really wants to step into. A GM doesn't want to have someone they have to go through consistently over and over again telling them what to do. You don't want that situation for as a GM, or at least a good GM doesn't want that. Maybe a guy that wants to learn or learn from the ropes, but that's we don't. do we want that? A guy that's learning? Do we want a coach that's in the process of learning? No, we want a coach that's going to get us the wins now. We want Matt Ryan is 36, I think. I mean, we want it now. Like, we got to do it now. We got to right now. Julio Jones, 30s in his 30s. We want to do it right now. We do not want things to be another rebuild or another progression of years of development because you don't have years with what you have. The only way that that is going to be appealing is if you are willing to trade away the Matt Ryans, the Julio Jones, to be able to do a full rebuild, get a coach in training, and do all that. And then we really are going to have to buckle up for several years of complete terrible football because that's that's exactly what's going to happen. I don't know. I mean, it's very frustrating. McKay, I feel like, is a huge roadblock for me getting really excited about potentially who the coach is going to be and how they're going to function and what the GM's going to do and how they're going to function. I don't believe in McKay. And, yeah, I just think it's arrogance. I think they're arrogant to think that they don't need an outside corporation to help them find the right guy and the right fit. I think they're arrogant to think that they're the ones that are going to be able to develop, not develop, but be able to determine what players are going to produce in the NFL and what are not and which ones are not. And McKay thinks he can do that. He failed at that with the Falcons already, got demoted, then eventually worked his way up and got promoted. Maybe he's learned from his mistakes, but that's not the vibe I'm getting. It just is a weird and strange situation. And I think it's something to pay attention to and to look at as the years go by especially this year, as this year comes to a close and who we hire. And maybe we could have had a chance at someone else and we got somebody that's not as good because of McKay. So, I mean, these are just things you got to think about and process um, as a fan and, 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 and to expect. So well, what do I expect? I expect McKay to cause some problems for us and expect for some coaches and some GM stuff for there to be issues because of that. I hope I'm wrong and I hope he's actually – He's better than a headhunting corporation. He's. I hope that this individual is better than a company that does this professionally and knows how to find the right fits for teams and find the right fits for big businesses and companies. I hope that he's better than them, but I highly doubt it. I highly doubt it because those businesses that headhunt and that find the right fits, they're paid a lot of money, and they are good at what they do. They don't play around with this because that's why people use them and hire them is because they're good at what they do. That is probably going to wrap it up for me and my thoughts on the Atlanta Falcons. I love you guys. You guys matter to me. Follow us on Instagram at the Grit Splits Podcast. Listen, buy a t-shirt, okay? Buy a t-shirt. It's going to be awesome. 
Instagram, the Good Source Podcast. Click on the link in the bio. You guys matter to us. We love. Have great holidays. Have a great Christmas. Stay safe from COVID. It's absolutely crazy out there, folks. Absolutely insane and wild. Uh, if any of your loved ones are sick, um, if anyone in your family is struggling or having a hard time, um, please feel free to message me on Instagram. I would love to be praying for them, uh, to be thinking about them. Um, you know, I am religious, um, and so I would love to just um, connect and, and be able to reach out. Um, heck, connect anyways, and just direct message. would love to connect and develop a relationship with the listeners and, and, and Falcon Nation. So uh, seriously, though, uh, it is really crazy out there politically and really crazy out there um, with COVID and even the flu season. Um, and so um, my heart goes out to all of you guys um, who are walking through that and maybe even just walking through just normal stuff, cancer or anything like that um, this Christmas season. Um, this is a season where we remember those we've lost and also um, remember that um, you know, uh, another year is going to go by and maybe we lose more and we're not going to be in touch. If you guys need anything, just let me know. You guys matter to me.